All right, thank you for joining us. I almost said welcome to Brightside, right? Because yeah. I've got a little bit of company here. <laughs> yeah, it's a trio today. Yeah. Fun. Caitlin Lockerbie, we're on a Frank conversation, but yeah. we're the Brightside team. Franklin and we, today. Franklin, yes. Frank, Caitlin, they see what yeah, you did nice there. And we've got Josh. <laughs> Josh Rivera, how you doing? Good, doing Thanks great. Thanks for joining us. This is fun to have you. Yeah, it's an honor to be here with you. Uh, I just, uh, I, we had a great time at Miles from Offit last year. And, yes, we did. Uh, I was really looking forward to this year, and uh, I'm glad we get to meet before that. So, yeah. Josh, I don't know where to start because this man is involved in everything. everything. I know this is ten years for you for Moffat. This is going to be ten years. Yeah, as, uh, as you know, the MC up there. Yeah, it's uh -huh. uh, been quite the journey. Having some fun. Yeah. And your personality is infectious. You obviously love this event, and it's near and dear to your heart because you know cancer has impacted so many lives. It's impacted yours. Yeah, it has. Um, you know, I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for Moffat Cancer Center. Mm. You know, I was 27 when I was diagnosed back in 2007, and. Um, and my life changed the moment I walked through the doors of this organization as a, as a patient. And, um, and yeah, it's just been an amazing journey. How has it changed you just, you know, mentally as you approach every single day? Because I know sometimes when one struggles with a sickness like that, you can become hyper-conscious of everything going on around you. Yeah, so I think it's in stages, right? And so you initially, it's like, you're focused on uh, getting the disease treated and, right. and getting cured, uh, you know, uh, or having the good fortune to get cured. Not everybody has that good fortune. Um, and then after that, you know, there's, I would say there's probably about four or five years post-treatment that it's like, everything is like, oh, like, is, is you know, is my knee hurting? Am I good? Am I right? Yeah. Like, right. And so, uh, but then, you know, you, 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 you learn to live your life. You have to live your life. And so, uh, you have to take care of yourself, obviously, yeah. you know, have a well-balanced approach, both mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, but ultimately, you have to live your life, and, and, and I find purpose. That's the one thing, and I found that. Yeah, you've really leaned into this, too. Your story is incredible. At 27 years old, to be diagnosed, you're at the prime of your life. You're a seemingly healthy individual. Mm -hmm. This was a very rare form of cancer that you were diagnosed with. Yeah, that's, that's correct. And so... Um, I was diagnosed with Ewing's soft cell sarcoma, and um, is sarcomas, uh, as I like to say, uh, are about 2% of the overall cancer diagnosis on an annual basis in the United States, and Ewing's is about, you know, less than 2% of that 2%. Wow. And so it's a very rare form of cancer. Um, you, in cancer centers, you, you'll hear Ewing's a lot, like here, you'll see multiple Ewing's patients, but that's very rare. It's like, it's because we're a cancer center, and that's why we, you know, people come here to get treated for these rare diseases. Mm -hmm. um, I had the great fortune of you know, having moved to Tampa about a year prior to my diagnosis. I get diagnosed, my family's like, you're going to Moffitt. I come to Moffitt immediately. I didn't even, ha I didn't know Moffitt existed mm -hmm. at the time. I come in here, very impressed immediately with just you know, the buildings and then the facilities. Uh, and then the, the care staff is absolutely amazing. And um, I meet with the physician, uh, the oncologist at the time, and Dr. Agresta, and he just outlaid the plan. He says, hey, it's gonna be 22 months, so don't think about that. You know, you're a 27 year old and you're told the next two years of your life, you're gonna be in treatment if you wanna beat this. And so in my mind, I've always been science oriented, right? And so I was like, whatever the doctor says, he knows best, let's get this done. I obviously did my own research too, but you know what his his plan was the plan, and then that okay, this is this is what we're gonna do. 
Um, this is what I'm putting on my calendar, and we're going to attack this little by little by little. How did you know something was wrong? So over the course of a few months, I started having um, um, uh, urinary symptoms. I started having, um, you know, uh, I was kind of backed up, you know, and so I also was feeling very anemic and very just tired. And I got misdiagnosed with a bacterial infection. Mm. I was taking antibiotics. That obviously didn't help because that wasn't the issue. Uh, and then um, one day, uh, an ultrasound tech um, at, at another uh, facility in, in Tampa um, had just, just great intuition. I, I was supposed to get an ultrasound of my testes uh, because I was, the tumor was blocking um, blood to that area of my body, and I was getting a lot of pain. And he, this, this ultrasound tech kind of had a suspicion, and they said, let me do also an ultrasound of your kidneys. And then they saw that I had blockage. So it turns out that very, like my next, that same moment, I went over to get an MRI scan. It was a Friday, uh, Friday the 19th. And uh, my primary care, the tech says, hey, I need you to sit on this chair. It's literally the last patient of the day, Friday. It was surreal because they shut all the lights out and the only light on in the room is the room is the over me in this chair looking at a phone waiting for my primary care physician to call me and all of this I'm like just naive I guess like right. cancer was nowhere in my thought process mm -hmm. but it turns out my primary care physician calls me and she tells me hey I wish I could wait till Monday to tell you this in person but you're you need surgery immediately oh, because wow. you're both your kidneys are at 99% capacity and so if you don't get operated now, you're gonna have double renal failure in the next oh. 24 to 48 hours. So like I potentially losing both my kidneys that weekend. So immediately uh, got interned, they performed a surgery to alleviate the, the, the pressure uh, there. What had happened was the tumor width was blocking my ureters. So all my urine was not going to my bladder, it was staying in my kidneys. The weight of the tumor was in my abdominal cavity the weight of the tumor was blocking uh, my my digestive tract, and so I couldn't causing all the issues, causing yeah. issues with my blood flow in my testes, also causing you know me to have uh, not be able to go to the bathroom. Right? My goodness! And so, uh, but this is over like months that had happened, right? And so, um, the tumor was too big for immediate resection, so I had to go through treatment first. So I did, um, you know, chemo th first, surgery, then chemo again. And so, um, yeah, so, so overall, over to these 22 months, it was 1,100 hours of chemotherapy. Uh, I had 23 radiation treatments and six surgeries. Wow. Do you remember what went through your mind the moment they told you cancer? Because like you said, that wasn't even remotely on your radar at the yeah. time. When you heard the word, what did you even think initially? Um, you know, I want to say I dropped an F-bomb, but uh, <laughs> I, I would I'm too. pretty sure. And then... This is kind of a funny anecdote. I'm, I, I told the physicians, like, can I at least go get a bag to, for the overnight, right? Thinking naively that was going to be one night. Uh, and so I was in the hospital for like two weeks. And um, I, I go, at the time, I'm living in, in Northwest Tampa uh, with my folks. I go over there. And I'm, as I'm driving, I'm calling my, my biological father. You know, I have a complex family. But my biological father is in Puerto Rico. It's where I was raised. And I'm calling my dad, and I was like, you know, I'm just crying. I was like, he couldn't understand what I was saying. Mm. And then somebody cuts me off on the road as I'm on the phone, oh, no. driving to get to get my bag. And I remember just like going off on that person in my car, right? They probably had no clue. I'm just like upset that this person cut me off. 
And then I just start laughing like the Joker or something, right? Because I was like, how absurd is this moment that I'm crying on the phone with my dad trying to tell him I have cancer. Someone cuts me off and I get so upset at this person for cutting me off. Like, it really was a moment of clarity for me yep. as far as like what's important in life. Mm -hmm. It was like, this person cutting me off is not important. Inconsequential. In, in, exactly, completely. And from that moment on, that, that moment, in addition to obviously the call, changed my life as far as like how I was gonna approach your whole perception. My whole perception about going through the cancer treatment, which I had no clue what it entailed at the time. Mm -hmm. And then subsequently that led to, you know, my approach of finding purpose uh, post-treatment. What emotion sat with you over the course of those, what, two dozen treatments? Because I imagine yeah, there was, were days where you were, yeah. I got this, and other days like, I don't know if I have this. Yeah, so the very, the, the, it was nine cycles surgery and then eight cycles afterwards. The eight cycles afterwards were very, very tough. Mm -hmm. um, my body was just withered. I had lost like 90 pounds, mm -hmm. um, just really beat down, beat down. You know, my recovery time was less and less. And there was points where I didn't even want to walk up the stairs. I just laid on the couch. Um, and it, it was very difficult. And then... <laughs> Funny enough, uh, I, I, I go to my physician, I was like, you already removed the tumor. Why am I doing this treatment, right? And so he did a, a simple XY graph. And again, back to science, I'm a science guy. Simple XY graph. He said, this is your chance of uh, reoccurrence if you complete treatment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the graph went up. This is your chance of, sorry, uh, the graph went down. This is your chance of reoccurrence if you don't complete treatment. And it went down. Right. And I was like, all right, simple enough. I guess I'm finishing my treatment. There we go. <laughs> like, yeah. And so it was great because the oncologist, you know, uh, Dr. Sullivan at the time, who I will forever be, you know, uh, grateful and, you know, him and Kathy, my nurse, the whole staff, but specifically them two, really saw everything. And, and, and Dan had the, the understanding of his patient and how to present this to his patient. Yeah. In my case, like science-oriented. Let me give him a graph, he'll understand this. And sure, it, the moment he did that, it was, I wish I had that graph. I he would saw frame you as a person. It. Yeah. I think some people, some doctors get a bad rap sometimes because they are so science-minded. Yeah. Um, but, and maybe the bedside manner isn't, mm -hmm. isn't always the best, but you obviously had an experience with this hospital that makes it near and dear to your heart that you continue to give back. Uh, to it too and to, to other patients here. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about those doctors. What did they mean to you? Who, who stuck out to you and, and why? I mean, what was their impact to you beyond saving your life? Yeah. Just so, the personal um, relationships that you've developed. So, you know, it's two years. So like they become family almost, right? Like, especially my nurse, Kathy, yeah. <laughs> she saw me cry. <laughs> Tell me about Kathy. So there was a moment where I knew my very first appointment, Dr. Agresta told me, before you start your chemo next week, you should bank sperm. Because mm. the treatment you're about to undergo is more than likely to make you infertile. And I was like, I did what he said, bank sperm. But it wasn't until after my surgery that it kind of, kind of became concrete. Right. For, because I'm like, okay, tumor's removed. I'm on my way on the up and up. Even though I feel like crap. One, I know, I, I can visualize the end of my treatment now, right? And now I'm thinking about life after treatment, right? And so life after treatment for me was like, oh, so. <sighs> Kathy and I had a real intimate moment. 
where I realized that I wasn't going to be able to have children naturally, right? And so she was there for me. And that will always be a very, very personal moment between the two of us. And uh, again, just forever indebted to Kathy, to Dr. Sullivan, uh, Dr. Shibata, the, the surgeon who removed my tumor. Um, I have a cool story about him too. Uh, he, he's now left for bigger and greater things. Uh, great loss to the organization, but uh, uh, you know something good for him and his family and his career. And so Shibata removed my tumor. I had a, a good, great relationship with him. And uh, yeah, just you know, overall the organization. And then I became, you know, uh, after treatment, I became a patient advisor, a member of the Patient Family Advisory Council, and I really got to meet uh, a lot of the leadership team here in the organization and just kind of endear myself even more to the organization. Yeah. Again, still not an employee. I was a patient advisor volunteer at that point. Was so. it Kathy's voice, her tone, her touch? What all do you it. remember most? Uh, I mean, all of it, yeah. right? You know, um, we still see each other. She still works here and like we still see each other. And you know, we, you know, I, I got to meet her children, you know, when they were kids, you know, now they're graduating from college right. and like, you know, it's just like, you know, it's that, you know, so, um, and she would celebrate my life moments and I celebrate hers and, um, yeah, it's, it's a very intimate moment. What would you say, because people who wa watch and people that are involved in this run and people that should get involved in this run, maybe they, you know, they've never been out to this event before, but the impact that it has, yeah. uh, you know, on your life, on so many other lives, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, is tremendous. So, um... This isn't your regular 5K, right? I mean, every f most 5Ks have like a purpose, right? Which is great, but this is the purpose, right? Yeah. And so cancer is one of the top causes of death in, in the country. And um, you know when you're participating in this that the funds are going 100% towards cancer research, which is how I'm alive, right? Mm -hmm. So I was the very first patient at Moffitt to finish the standard care for Ewing sarcoma which had just recently been developed, right, through clinical trials and development, right? And so, and all that, you know, you need investigators, right? And you need grants and, and, and you need to work with the NIH. And over the course of decades, they created the standard of care. And here I am today, uh, and a positive outcome because of all that research that was put into Ewing sarcoma, uh, which doesn't get the love that breast does or prostate does, right? And right. so, um, because, it's a smaller percentage of the population that gets diagnosed with that. So I understand, you know, the, the financial, the economics behind it. And so, um, but that being said, Moffitt, you go there and you're literally seeing people in wheelchairs through active treatment. You're seeing people who've lost loved ones, like my friend Ryan, and uh, myself, my mother, my former mother-in-law, she passed away from brain cancer. And one of my lasting favorite memories of Moffitt, Moffitt was a year that my mother-in-law stood up on the stage with me at the Survivor Tribute Ceremony, which is the, the one of the very last things at Miles from Offit um, that morning, that we get all the survivors up. And um, either, now there's so many of us, which is phenomenal, That's that huge, they don't yeah. all fit on the stage. Before we would fit them on the stage. Yeah. Now they don't even fit on the stage, so they have to like spread out in front of the stage. Just but, another testament to yeah, the impact. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, um, you know, one of my favorite memories is being there with my mother-in-law who was going through treatment for glioblastoma. Um, so. There's something about community that, uh, that really makes it tangible for folks. And 
you can see the statistics as you're going through the treatment and you can know that this person is, but when you have someone that you can actually reach out and touch and they're going through what you're going through, that has to uh, provide some sort of solve, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that, that has to make you feel like, all right, today I wasn't sure I could do it, but now I can't. No, you can't, exactly, exactly. That, you're not alone, right? Mm -hmm. You're never, as, yes, everybody has to go through cancer treatment as an individual, yeah. but you need to remember you're not in this alone. You have family, you have friends, you have a community, be it your support groups for your specific disease type, or uh, we were talking about adolescent and young adults earlier, you know, that you, ha you have AYA, a great AYA program here at Moffitt Cancer Center for stuff like that, um, where you can find that community and, and find like-minded individuals regardless of age, ethnicity, whatever your background is, right? And so it's an amazing thing, just that sense of community. Miles from Moffitt helps create that, and I've seen it grow over the decade or so that I've been involved with, with Miles from Moffitt and couldn't do this without the team at Moffitt Foundation who, who put this event on and they're doing an amazing job. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's only as good as the turnout, mm -hmm. right? And the turnout has been amazing year after year and it's been growing and growing. You flipped a switch, my man. I <laughs> mean, you, you're not just out here doing a, a daily jog. I mean, you, you're, you're riding, you're running. Yeah. What are you not doing? I was gonna say, you, you, you know, the goal here is survival and, yeah. and creating more, you know, more research yeah. so that there are more survivors. Uh, and you talked earlier about, you know, you want to lean in and you want to live. That's, you want to live your life. Yeah. And you're certainly doing that. Iron Man. Extreme living. <laughs> Iron Man, extreme living in what, 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 Spain. You just got engaged. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So uh, what did you, what, you said something earlier, like a special kind of crazy, I think is what you you're said. Your special kind of crazy, yeah. yeah. Special kind of crazy when you're doing Iron He's Man. He's like, thank you. You're doing like, yes. <laughs> in, in the best way. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in awe of it. I don't know how you do it, but so, look at you thriving. Thank you, thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, Frank and I talked about this briefly when we first met, and uh, when you finish your treatment, um, so, some survivors, maybe not all, but some survivors get like uh, Superman syndrome. It's like, hey, I just went through hell, Yeah. right? I can do whatever. Anything, yeah. And so I started volunteering. Uh, my, my, my great friend, Richard Spade, invited me to become the volunteer coordinator for an organization called Cure on Wheels, a local Tampa 501c3 that raises funds for cancer research. We donate hundreds of thousands of dollars to Moffitt Cancer Center over the years. And so um, they do long distance hiking events, right? Like hundreds of miles. Like we have a, a 330 mile event. We have a 160 like, mile like, event. Like Tampa to Saint, to, to yeah. Tallahassee. Tallahassee, yeah. yeah. It's the, the Tampa to Tallahassee ride is like our, our key, our key event, which it's is a long tomorrow. drive. I wasn't exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so uh, I, and funny enough, I, I volunteer for this, right? I'm, I'm 30 at the time and I'm driving a support vehicle for, for a Moffitt Capital ride. And the two gentlemen who are now dear friends of mine, one of them I consider almost a father figure essentially, uh, um, Parney and Alan, they are prostate cancer survivors, they're 60 at the time, mm. and they're riding 300 miles in 30 degree weather, and I was like, wow. and I'm in a car driving, I was like, so what's wrong with this picture? <laughs> you might run out of gas <laughs> no, not in your car. I have the heat on, yeah. yeah I, I have like, heated seats, and these guys are on their bikes, right? And so I re I'll always remember, we're in the middle of nowhere, Florida, and they just ride past me. And I was like, something's wrong here. I, so that was 2011. Mm -hmm. In 2012, I said to myself, that moment, I said to myself, I'm going to be on a bike next year. Yeah. And sure enough, I was on a bike, on a rented bike. I didn't own a bike or anything. I rented a bike. Uh, and I trained, obviously. I was just gonna say, yeah, love you yeah. trained. No, I trained, but <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't train. We say grand opening, grand <laughs> closing, right? 
<laughs> well, it turns out I didn't train enough because it was the most difficult thing I had ever done up to that point in my life. And uh, but I did finish the ride at that the was more than cancer. That that. Uh, you know, comparable almost. Well, I mean, the seats, you know, you got to get <laughs> the padded seat. Yeah, but but no, it, to answer your question, no, it was not. Yeah. But there were moments, especially so it's three consecutive 100 mile ride days, which is very challenging. And so um, the third day, you dig deep. Yeah, you got to be mentally tough. And yet. in my mind, like I always dig deep, uh, not always, but when I need to, I tap into that. Or like, sure. Would you rather be out here? on this seat in 30 degree weather, riding, you know, on your third consecutive 100 mile day, or inpatient doing infusion? Right. And the answer is easy. You'd okay. rather be out on the bike, Thank right? God your body's giving you the capability of doing it. True, which not everybody can, yeah. right? And that's the other thing that you think about. You think about those who, who, who lost their war with mm -hmm. cancer. You think about those who've had amputations, mm -hmm. right? Because they had an osteo, and right. so, uh, you think about those people who may have an ostomy bag now, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a whole population, right? Because they had internal organ failures or they had to have organs resected right. due to metastasis. And so, um, you know, I'm doing this for them. For me too, because I'm a little crazy. But, but I'm doing this for them, right? And so, so that just kind of led and led. And then within that group of crazies, there's another subset of crazies who do Ironmans. The first time I really like understood what Ironmans are. Again, Ironmans is a brand. Let's call it a full distance track. He fully jumped into that crazy too. Yeah. And so I went it's all It's a crazy in. guy. He stuck the landing. <laughs> so, yeah. so now I've done three Ironmans. Like, and so, you know, my goal is to, to get to Kona and you have to do, um, I'm going to do the lottery way. So I have to do 12 of these. Wow. to get to Kona. Yeah. What's the next one? Uh, the next one will be Florida next year. Okay. So it's like one um, one year, uh, so my, my fiance and I, we kind of have an agreement. So one year international, one year domestic. So this year we were in Spain, uh, next year we'll stay in Florida. Is she cheering you on or is she doing oh, this with you? Oh, she is amazing. Yeah. She is amazing. Uh, in the world of triathlons, you have what they call Sherpas, race Sherpas. Uh -huh. She's the person that helps you with all your because there's so much equipment. She's you got to swim, you got to bike, you got to run. There's tons of equipment. Mm -hmm. So she's a, a phenomenal race trooper. Love that. She takes care of my nutrition too, which is one less thing I have to worry about. She's your better half. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you do this and we say crazy, right? But this really, when you break it down, is you're fearless. Yeah. You're fearless yeah. at this point because this fight with cancer is really like pulled off that layer of skin yeah, you're like bring essentially, it essentially let's get it let's get it let's do it there's one life to live yeah right and so let's let's live that life to its fullest you're inspiring totally inspiring do you know that um <laughs> a little bit I, I don't really think about it i mean i i'm honored and i'm humbled by what you said and i have had moments I still, I don't do as much patient advising as I used to, but there are moments where I'm called into certain situations to, uh, because I've, you know, obviously fluent in Spanish is my first language, and I'll go speak to a patient who speaks Spanish who's having a difficult time, um, a younger patient, or, you know, or an English-speaking patient. And, and that have, helps with the outreach. Yeah, exactly. And so it's those moments. So I had a very intimate moment about four years ago with a, a young man who was, um, had just turned 18, and was going through his treatment, and he didn't want to finish his treatment. Same time, uh, fatigued. Fatigued. He's just like, "Why am I here?" Ready to give up. So I walk into the room, not knowing him or his family, and I sit there. I literally took, I canceled all my meetings for that morning. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a Monday morning. I go in there and sat down with his family for like three hours, and we laughed and we cried, 
And, and I was able to tell this young man, I was like, hey, I literally, literally have been in the exact same bed as you right here in, in the fifth floor. And I know where you're at. Mm -hmm. But here I am to show you that there is a future. This young man was a, was a, a gifted athlete um, with a bright future. And he had frustrations, right? Because his life was changing. His life was going to change. Yeah. And here we are four years later, and, you know, he recently uh, got honored at a Tampa Bay Rays game. And uh, it was just this sense of pride because after I met with him that Monday, his mom, um, I can't remember if it was a call or a text, but she basically, you know, informed me that that night that he decided to finish his treatment awesome. after the conversation we had. Yeah. Yeah. I did not speak. I, him and his mom texted back and forth for a little bit more. Um, but I didn't speak to this young man since then, essentially. But I know I changed his life. Yeah, no doubt. And so, and now he's taking ownership of his life. That's right. And he's doing, he's living a purpose-driven life, right? And so, um, all it takes is just one individual. If you can make a, a difference in one individual, it's all that matters. Josh, should we talk about BC, before cancer? Yeah. Who yeah. were you? Who was I? I was a... Uh, I was living life, but I was kind of like um, meandering, if yeah. you will, right? And so um, without an explicit purpose. I just moved to Tampa um, to, 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 to re-engage with um, family that, uh, for, for life reasons, I had not been engaged with. Um, I had to kind of finish my, my bachelor's degree, which I had not completed, and like just... Um, Kind of meandering. Right? Which is out here. Yeah, I was working uh, for a great organization, a financial institution. I had a, a, a future there, um, but this the cancer really just changed my life. You know, I'm not a, a man of faith, um, but my family is is of of faith, and you know, my uh, grandfather on my mother's side was a pastor, and he oh, wow. and and my aunts would tell me that, you know that this was like my calling, if you will, right? So I think about that in, in those terms, like this is my calling. It's not a faith-based calling for me, but it's a calling of, of science and advocacy and fundraising and, and, and outreach, right? And, and, and making a difference. Yeah, well, you're impacting our lives, no doubt, and have to be impacting others. So yeah, I mean, you're incredible, incredible. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm only as good as you the people resonate. Around me, you so. know, no, but you're somebody that like sticks. You, you're you don't forget, Josh. <clears throat> at Not all. at all. You you uh, mentioned intimate connections, and when you say intimate, I, I think of depth and breadth. And so you've you've got all of those bases covered, and then some. Um, for people out there who want to know how they can help with Miles for Moffitt, mm -hmm. whether they run, whether they whatever they do to give or whether they offer some moral support. How, how, do, how does one do that? So, I mean, you, you register for the race. That, that's the number one thing. Uh, you can also be a virtual runner. Like, say you're not, can't be physically present or, you know, you just physically can't do it for whatever reasons, you can donate to, to give.moffitt.org. Uh, uh, you can go to milesformoffitt.org. Uh, that will take you to our foundation website to register. Um, Miles for Moffitt is a, is a really cool event in the sense that 
it's it's a it's a five k, it's a ten k. There's also a one k, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so and that that you know one k is a very relatively short distance. You'd be surprised, like if you don't think you can walk a kilometer, you'd be surprised. Like I always tell people, not not applicable to everyone, but I always like to say mind over matter, right? Mm -hmm. And so like if your if your mind can push you through that one k, like then your next step is that five k. Yeah. And then your next step is that. 10K. Do what you can. Do yeah. what you can. And, and there's then, people of all ages out all there too. We I think have that's the kids cool. dash, You have the kids out my, there. Yeah, the kids, kids dash. is my personal favorite. Yes. Seeing those. Joshua's like, over there, like on your market set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is so funny. The kids dash is amazing. And then we get you know the turnout from all our, our local sports teams. Their mascots are there to represent, and they're cheering not just the adults on, but the children too. Uh, and um, one of my, I would say, in addition to the kids dash, my favorite moment is being at the finish line. Seeing people, <laughs> sorry, after all these years, I still get these moments, right? Seeing people holding hands crossing the finish line because it's meaningful to them. Mm. In honor of someone or maybe that person is going through treatment or just finishing treatment, mm -hmm. uh, surgery, whatever it is. Um, some people just start... <laughs> Some people just start balling at the finish line. It's an intimate moment for them and whoever it is that they're thinking of. Those are, those are really uh, cherishing moments that even after nine years I've been doing this, this will be my 10th year, it still gets to me, right? And I, and I keep it together. I Believe it or not, I do have composure. Uh, you guys have seen me. I have composure the you day keep off. Together. For the <laughs> most part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me crying. It's this intimate moment that I'm having. Yeah, my uh, allergies. Yeah, just dust. Right? Yeah, Zyrtec, please. Anyway. Um, so, um, but Miles from Off is, you don't get that at, at, an, at other 5K events, right? Yeah. Or, or other sporting events in general for the most part. Mm -hmm. Ironman's a little bit because it's, it's quite the endeavor to do an Ironman. Um, but, but this one, you know, in Ironman, you're doing it for yourself, really, right? But, but the 5K here, you know that you just raised funds for cancer research, for investigations that will inevitably become a clinical trial, and that clinical trial will inevitably become a standard of care. Mm -hmm. and, and you know that because Moffitt has proven that time and time again, that that is what they do with this money. And, uh, and I am living proof of that. Right? Not just me, but all the survivors that were there that day. And that's what I try to convey. That we, it's not about me or Frank. It's about all of us as a community, as survivors, right? With our nurses and our PAs and our oncologists and our researchers, right? Who don't get the love and our admin staff who don't get the love either. The organization wouldn't be who we are without everybody I just mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. Making sure from the foundation up that we are one. Absolutely. Incredible. Incredible indeed. Yeah. And people don't, if you can't get out to the event too, that's the big thing. It's something you don't want to miss, but if yeah. you're out of town, you can continue to give through yeah. the end of the year and yeah. such a worthy cause. Yeah. We, and you know, our goal is 1.2 million. We, we achieved that last year. We had over 7,000 uh, runners last year. Um, and uh, what we think right now we're at about 740,000. So right. we're, you know, past that halfway mark and we still got a few weeks left before November 19th. Mm -hmm. Um, we changed locations a few years back from the USF campus to downtown right there at Amelie Which Arena. Which is awesome, yeah. It's and fun that life. venue is amazing, mm -hmm. right? The, the location of the main stage, but also then the run is going down Bayshore, right? And so 
for, for the local residents who know Bayshore, they know how beautiful it is. But if you've never been down Bayshore, I highly encourage you to yeah, come. It's gorgeous. Because that run down Bayshore is just gorgeous, so especially different. in the morning. Right? You can do it virtually, too. I saw it. People yeah. can sign up virtually. So if you're out of town yeah. or you know, yeah. get your get, member, get family members across the globe to yeah. run, too. Yeah, if really you live cool. in the snow mountain areas, yeah. you know, then get it on the treadmill or whatever. Yeah. So, run from uh, but participate in this. Be a part of that community. And wear your colors loud and proud, right? Miles from off it. Get that shirt, wear it. It's funny, like, throughout the year, I see uh, uh, one of the things I love about Tampa is, like, it's a very active community for the most part. Uh -huh. And I see people with Miles from off it shirts, like, you know, in the summer or whatever, right? And they're, they're running, they're doing mm -hmm. their thing. And I always, like, you know, I, as best yeah, as I, I can, see I, you. Yeah. Say, I see you. I see you. Exactly, exactly. Miles from off it swag. Yes. Exactly. And, then, it. and, and it's just cool to see. I didn't used to see that 10 years ago, right? Now I see it. And so that means that more and more people are aware of not just Monster Moffitt, but Moffitt Cancer Center, who we are, and how important we are to the community, to the county, to the state, and to the nation. Yeah. Wow. Well, Joshua, you're an incredible guy, very inspiring, and we're going to have some fun. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a lot yes, of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. You guys are phenomenal. You're a great tag team. Oh, well, I'm thank just honored you. to be. We're your backup band. I'm uh, <laughs> yeah, not no, 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 no. I'm just uh, glad to be part of the third musketeer, if you will. So. So well, you know what? You say you're not a man of faith, but it sounds like family is your heaven and this is your ministry. Yeah. yeah. So, so thank you so much for that. And um, to all the folks out there listening and watching, Thank you so much for checking us out. And you know you can catch these bi-weekly. You can catch us Monday through Friday on Brightside. Dark and early. Yes, dark and early. And, uh, <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for hanging. Tagging and thank along. you, sir. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yes, indeed. Uh, I guess you can. Great. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I just want to give you a hug. Yeah, give him a hug. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, until next time, y'all have a good one.